Hello, and welcome back to the Suburban Upset. I'm Jamie. Thanks for joining me today. It's been so fun. I know I'm not on a regular schedule yet, but getting to interact with people who listen to the podcast has been one of the coolest things in the last few weeks. So I'm stepping out again for another week, and today is going to be all about hard conversations. I am a huge proponent of hard conversations. It's something that I think we as adults have done a terrible job uh, or missed the mark on at teaching and modeling for our children. I also believe in the idea of conflict resolution, meaning getting past things quickly through effective communication so that we don't harbor ill feelings towards a person or a situation. I really firmly believe that if we could just get past the idea of hurting people's feelings and seek reconciliation, then we would be so much better as a society. I see, you guys may not know this, but I've been an educator since 2006. And while I'm not currently full-time in the classroom, I'm with kids and students through coaching and mentoring all the time. And from elementary to high school, young adults and even adults that I interact with, we have gotten to this place where we're so afraid to confront issues because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. It's like we're missing the forest for the trees. So while yes, we're not hurting people's feelings, we're losing this big giant part of just being a human being because we will always be faced with conflict. We will always have issues with our parents and our teachers and our coaches and our friends. And if we do not learn how to have these hard conversations, then we are in big trouble, which I'm already starting to see that arise. So one of the biggest things I think about, and I teach my own children is when there's a problem, we don't wallow in the problem. We seek solutions because then that creates getting past whatever it is so much more quickly and finding solutions whenever you have to have a hard conversation with someone may be uncomfortable in the moment, but then it is instantly resolved. And I have found personally that anytime I've approached a hard conversation that it is fixed, we move on. And in fact, those relationships become better and stronger, not always, But definitely it does happen. And so here's the thing. When we don't find resolutions to conflicts, we let it fester in us and it becomes resentment, right? So I'm going to go over what the definition of resentment is for you because you guys know I love me some definitions. And then that way we can kind of really see why this is not something we really want to harp on because we want to get past it and we don't want to have these feelings of you know, resentment. So resentment is better and bitter, sorry, bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly. That's one definition that you can find, you know. Um, and I think that you can think about times in your life when you've held resentment for somebody mentally, it's very, very draining. And that's not how we want to live our lives because we're living in a, in a world right now where adults down to children as early as young children are finding that there's a ton more anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, and all of those things. So I'm going to go through, um, four situations in which I've had or 
I guess should say have chosen to have a hard conversation with somebody. And these have been within the last couple of years. And tell you the reason why I did ultimately was to seek reconciliation and find solutions, which is my number one goal anytime there's a conflict. And number two, so I don't sit with it in my brain and have that mental exhaustion from constantly going back and forth, like thinking back the scenario. What could I have said? What should I have said? I wish I would have stood up for myself in this and things like that. So the first one is going to be a situation that I had with one of my kids, um, a coach that they had. And this is Little League, so nothing too, too important. But you know, and kids, I'm not a firm believer that kids are necessarily resilient. I know we go through and we have this and it's a big thing we've talked about, especially through the pandemic. But what I honestly and truly believe are that kids are very impressionable and they take every word and look and every scenario that happens and interaction to them to heart and it molds and it shapes them into who they become. And so even situations with coaches and little leagues are very important for our children because those little bitty things that happen over the years ultimately play a part and what kind of person your child is going to end up being. I know it did personally for me. And so um, anyways, so one of my children is not as athletic as the other, but we always saw a ton of potential um, as his parents. And so we were on a team that we loved. We loved the coach and his family, but he never treated Holden with that sense of you have the potential to be something great. And so I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to build on not only your skills, but also your character while I have that opportunity. So he was always kind of that kid that was stuck in a position. So to give you a little bit more context with this was a baseball coach and and or the, the league had rules that you had to play each player in the infield at least two innings before a certain number of innings. And the catcher was considered an infield position. Well, this was coach pitch. So the coach was pitching the ball. And so the catcher really at this point was not catching a ton of stuff. They could try to catch it, but most of the time it would kind of just like either hit their pad or, um, you know, their chest pad or whatever, um, or roll behind them. And so it wasn't really like catching, catching where the pitcher is really aiming for the catcher's glove. And so this really didn't matter throughout the season. But when it came to our end, it was the first time we ever had an end of season tournament. Um, at one at a certain age, you start doing tournaments and at the end of the season. And throughout that tournament, the only infield position that my child played was catcher. And it made me very angry. And I was... You know, I kept playing it over in my mind, and finally I decided I have to say something because while, yes, some of the other kids on the team were skill, like at a higher level skill, we were playing recreational baseball, and also we didn't win a ton. So it's not like the other kids were drastically better than he was. And so I had a conversation with his coach and I said, look, I get it. I know that what you want to do is win, but the overall goal of a coach shouldn't always be to win. There's other important lessons. And what you're doing to my child right now is you're you're telling him that he's not worthy of playing in any other position because he doesn't even have the potential to do well, which wasn't the truth. He just couldn't, that coach just couldn't see it. 
And also, you know, we teach kids grit and character. And and as coaches, it's our job to not only see their current strengths, but see what they are capable of. And it was a really hard conversation. Um, we ended up not playing for that coach ever again because I was so upset, but I did confront him with the issue and said that the values that you're teaching these kids is winning is all that matters, which is not a lesson I think we should teach our children. And so, um, he agreed with me and he said, thank you for bringing it to his attention. And while we never played for him again, now I see him and his family around town and we're cordial and we're nice to each other. And I actually enjoy having conversations with them, seeing their children do well. We don't interact a ton because our kids don't go to the same school. But it was, you know, I could have just let it go, but I felt like it was necessary. And so that's one situation. The next situation is kind of silly, but I have a group of girlfriends that I'm pretty close with and we do a lot of life together. So um, two of the girls had gotten into this habit of just like picking at me and they were doing it in good fun. It wasn't, they weren't being malicious and I knew that, but it was like every single time I had something to say, they had something to say back. And I felt like we were just in this really terrible rhythm and I sent them a text. This wasn't a face-to-face conversation, but I said, Hey, listen, here's the thing. Every time I have something to say, you guys like poke fun at me. And I really think that you're just doing it to be funny, but it really is bothering me. And, you know, they responded like, we didn't even realize we were doing that. But now that you pointed out, we can kind of see that this is like how you could perceive that. And so we will totally stop and make a conscious effort to, you know, I didn't want them to have to focus on every little thing they said to me, but it was really bothering me because I happened to be in that at that time. I had really low self-esteem and I just needed friends who were going to be there for me at that time to boost my confidence and not poke fun at me. So it wasn't easy going to them, but it was something that needed to be said so we could move past it. And they were so kind and gracious when we had that conversation. Um, another time here recently, this one's probably the farthest back of any And it's when my youngest son did, he was younger, um, and they were doing an assignment like they were doing needs and wants at school. So knowing what you need versus what you want. I need water, but I want a Coke, this kind of thing. And so they had been going over lessons in class. They had been talking about all the needs and wants that she specifically wanted them to understand. And then they had like a quiz or a test over it. And it asked them to list like three needs and three wants. Well, my son put a needs, he put God. Faith is very important in our family. I shouldn't say Jesus is very important to our family. And um, we, so she counted it wrong. And I almost had a heart attack when he brought the paper home because I was like, oh boy, this is not okay. Um, so I decided I was gonna go ahead and have a conversation with her about it. I set up an appointment at the school and I brought the paper and I said, you know, why was this counted wrong? Because for our family, God is a need, not a want. And she said that it wasn't on the list of things she had taught. And what she was really looking for was those words that were listed in the lesson. And so I said, well, 
let me ask you this. Do you believe that my child understands the difference between needs and wants? And she said, well, yeah, of course he understands. Okay, well then why are we as an adult person counting it wrong when you know that he knows the difference between needs and wants? And this is obviously a very sensitive topic, so maybe it was the better choice as the adult in the room to leave it like it was because you knew that he knew the difference. And she agreed with me. Um, She did change the grade. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, I could have just left it alone because grades don't matter and that, you know, where he was at the time, it does, it doesn't matter what your grades are when you're in like first, second, third grade. Um, it's like, nobody's looking at your transcript from elementary school, but I also thought it was very important to have that hard conversation because I wondered how many other kids she has done the same thing to where she knew the child understood what they were talking about and could have made the choice to allow them to put that down. Or, you know, it could have been anything, not just what he put, um, or, and it could have been any lesson. Um, but she was choosing as an adult to take a hard stance on something that didn't seem like it was benefiting the kid, which is the reason why you're there as an educator is to promote and help children become successful in all areas of life. Um, and so I think that was as a parent, I could have just left it alone because like I said, the grade didn't matter, but I chose to have that hard conversation with her. I felt like it needed a solution so that she wouldn't do it again. And so that she could understand that, you know, sometimes we got to take a step back and reevaluate ourselves And I thought that was really important. Um, And the last um, example of hard conversations that I have is here recently. Um, We got burned really bad. So carrying on with the baseball theme or sports, at least. Um, My husband has coached the same team essentially for 14 seasons. Um, It has changed over the years a little bit, but um, essentially we've kind of had the same group of kids, which is not that uncommon under 12U. When you when 12U happens, that's when you really start to notice the kids kind of go to whatever team is most beneficial for them. And parents start making those decisions to like f- bounce teams and coaches to whatever their needs are. And um, anyways, we got burned. I'm not going to go over that situation because I'm going to make that a whole podcast episode. But, but when I because I really want to talk about this town we live in and how crazy um, absurd it is. But anyways, we came off of a really hard, long baseball season where we got burned really bad. And we were going into basketball season, and we decided at this point for what was best for our family was to have a limited amount of kids on the team. Our previous basketball team had about 12 kids on it, and then we had another parent reach out to us and ask if they could come join the team. Most of these kids are from their school. And so they all want to play together. Totally understandable. And we've had all of them be on the team for season after season. And, um, as the kids have gotten older, they're, you know, in fifth grade and, um, we have 12 kids on the basketball team. It's not super feasible because they get limited playing time and the league we're in only gives us half a court to practice. And so when you have 12 kids that are all best buds and you have a half a court to practice on, they tend to goof around, not listen. It's just very difficult, especially because the other half of the court has a team that also has 10 kids on it. So it's super loud. 
And after we got burned in baseball, we decided we were going to choose this season to do what was best for our family. And what we needed to do was scale back just a little bit. We need to make things easier for Lewis, who is my husband and is the one coaching We needed to do what was best for Hunter because we had sacrificed a lot over the years to focusing on our kids so that we could build teams. And it was a choice that we made, so we can't look back and change that, but we decided we were making a shift um, because we were really put in a situation where kids that we had built over the years, the second they were given a better offer, they left regardless of all of the hard work that we put into their child being what they were in that at that time. And so we decided we're going to do what's best for us because that is what everybody else was doing. And, um, we were afraid that having a less kids on the team, there would be certain kids that would join, you know, still play basketball. And we didn't want them to have to like what my kids say, verse each other. Um, because, we felt like it wouldn't be good for them to verse each other. We felt like it may be a little demoralizing and, um, it would be very difficult for them to face each other. And so we made some suggestions that didn't go over well. And my heart hurt really bad for the people that got their feelings hurt. And, um, it was just, you know, having these hard conversations saying, Hey, we love you, love your face, love your kids. We have loved playing with them, but we can't do it anymore. Right now, we need to focus on what's best for our family. We need to focus on what's best for our child. And ultimately, some of the kids, um, you know, Hunter had made friends over the years with other kids, and he was asking to play with them. Um, But we didn't have any more room on the team. And so it was just like all together, just a really difficult situation. But what I found out is some of the moms were like talking bad about me behind my back and calling each other. And the story seems to be exaggerated into something that it really wasn't because the intention behind what we were doing was to have a smaller team. We didn't want to have more than eight kids. We wanted to focus on letting those kids get the playing time and get, you know, grow and also just make it easier for our family. And um, it was blown out of proportion into this. We deem these kids are less skilled than these other kids. So they're not allowed to be on our team because we only want the best players, which is absolutely not the truth. And, um, but the reality is, at their age, there are kids that are less skilled than other kids. That is a that is a hardcore truth that we don't want to face as parents. But we, but that wasn't what we were doing. And so I called up the moms and I had conversations with them. And you know, at the end of the day, I came to this realization that not every person I thought was my friend was actually my friend. Um, not every person that I, you know, if they had a real problem with what was going on, they could have called me directly and they chose not to, they chose to talk about me with each other behind my back and explode this kind of scenario that really wasn't accurate. And, you know, if they really were my friend, they would have called me up. They would have had a conversation with me about it, but they didn't. And so I decided to confront it and I called them and, you know, at the end of the day, I felt like there was some really good solutions that happened. I think that now, um, the lesson I learned from that was that, Not every friend is a friend you can trust. Not every friend is a friend you're going to tell your secrets to. And that I needed to focus on the parents that were there for their families and their kids, but also our family and our kids. 
which is not the case with all of these people. And so I felt good telling them my side of the story. I felt relieved and I felt like I could stop talking or wasting mental space on it um, after having that conversation. So at the end of the day, here's what I want to leave you with. I know it's not always easy to have hard conversations with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your friends. But if we allow the mental space to be all filled up with situations and people we have conflicts with, it does turn us into resentful and bitter people. And we shouldn't live with that in our hearts. And so the best thing that you can do is have hard conversations, but in those, do them respectfully and do them with it, with that mentality that you are trying to find resolutions and not just be in some kind of conflict with somebody, um, all the time. And so have the hard conversations, model it to your children. So they learn how to resolve things on their own. And when they get into conflicts, and I think at the end of the day, if we could just do that, we would be better as people. We would have better communication skills, more effective communication skills. And we would find that always seeking a solution when there's a problem is the best route to go and not just kind of fester up. And because also once, when we, when we don't have those conversations, I think our, our brains start to run wild on us. And then we insert make believe situations and conversations and things that are happening. And so it's best just to get it out of the way and have that hard conversation. And, um, I think we would find that we would be way better off if we did. So that is hard conversations. You guys, if you have a topic that you want to hear me talk about, you can DM me on Instagram or TikTok, and I will see you soon.